What's up, everybody? This is JJ with your boy, Matt. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, JJ? How you doing, dude? I'm good, bro. So fun fact, this is actually the first interview we've done for the men's minisodes. And you are, really? yeah, guest number one. Dude, starting off on a strong note. <laughs> I know. Well, where you get to say the expectations, there's none. So we really can't mess up here, okay? There you go. Low barrier to entry. I love it. Me too. So honestly, and for you guys listening, I've waited a long time to call this card. That's a big dog. So you got to, you know, use your political equity when you came to get them on. But we're in the trust tree just to set the tone. Like we are really, really vulnerable. What I love about Matt is he's super transparent. And he came on to talk to our men about a year ago. And I just loved how you approached the topic of pornography and addiction. I think um, what stood out to me was it's just so full of empowerment because what I see is the opposite. I see men reduced, you know, reduced to being sexual animals with a sexual itch who have to just simply fill their sexual urge and they're powerless even to the that they just have to rely on crutches. So that's why you're here today. But for the audience, I would just love to know how did you get to where you are, you know, as a self-sabotage and addiction Gotcha. Well, now that you're telling me I'm here to talk about porn, I thought this was a baking class because I've been making some fire fajitas lately. <laughs> okay, switching gears. So when it comes to talking about porn, how did I get started? Um, very unsexy beginning, guys. So here, it's really hilarious. I'll give you the Coles Notes version. But my wife and I, we live in, in Maui, Hawaii, and I'm Canadian originally. So she was working for our family. I was the stay-at-home dad. She was the breadwinner. And she comes home from church one day and she's literally, she literally says to me, I got prayer at church. It couldn't be more clear. So I quit my job. You're up. And this is us. Like, I'm, I have no way to work legally in the country. And she just pulls the, I'm not working anymore card. You got to figure this whole thing out for our family because we were just in two different energies. Like I was staying at home. She was working and that's just not our natural go-to. So the first place I actually had to start other than like, you know, praying incessantly like, hey, Lord, what are we going to do is I just started to ask, like, who can I help and how can I serve? And I was like, what skills do I currently possess or have on how I can bring value to the table, help to the table, contribution, inspiration to the people around me? And I recognized that I was just really passionate and I'd already been doing this without getting paid for it, just like meeting with guys pouring into them, helping them figure out like why they're self-sabotaging, um, why they're not living life on their terms with God in relationships, um, just their whole lifestyle. And so this all started because my wife quit her job, told me I needed to begin. And it was just the simple like, shoot, this was always my plan A, but I was really making it like a plan like C, D, E, F, G, kind of like way down the line. All of those other avenues kind of got burnt in a moment. And I was like, I actually kind of got to like bet on me and try my hand at what I enjoy and see where this can go. So, yeah, that's uh, that's as unsexy and as raw as it could possibly be on how I got started in this work. Just out of sheer necessity to not have my family and I starve or get kicked out of our rent. I mean, if that's like bad enough of a motivator, I don't know what is, right? Uh, <laughs> you're out. That's wild. We can honestly do our own episode on just like, 
how you were just had no other option because a lot of men the crazy beat journey it's been dude yeah, yeah pretty pretty radical that's well the irony is we just did an episode last week when it comes to financially preparing to be a great husband one mm-hmm. of the litmus tests that you should do and it honestly was a hypothetical was if your if your wife works when you marry her great but really you should be able to provide for your family whether or not she's working Totally. If she yeah. comes home one Sunday and says, it's your turn. Are you ready? Yeah. And I was not. So I got my butt handed to me um, over the course of it. And like I said, I'll keep a Cole's notes, but that's kind of how I started getting into the work I, I, I was doing because I had no other way of being able to work remotely and make it like legal from the position I was in. That's amazing. Well, what a wonderful story. And I think that's just kind of God's way of making it abundantly clear that the time is now for you. For sure, man. So talk to me about, you know, as you work in addiction and self-sabotage with men, and I know this answer, so I'm so excited for you to share. But when it comes to porn and winning the war on porn, what would you say is your controversial thesis regarding men and winning? Gotcha. Yeah, so there's there's a few things, but the biggest one that I hammer home on with any guy in any church I speak at, any event I do, any podcast or like on my own social media is that I love to just emphasize porn is not the problem. Porn is not the issue. And with the irony about that is every single guy, at least that I've spoken to, and it's been a few at the, up to this point, is trying to quit porn, trying mm-hmm. to quit break that behavior of porn but nobody wins the super bowl by focusing on the super bowl like michael jordan didn't win all those nba championships by focusing on the championship he focused on the work beforehand the practicing beforehand so by the time game day comes as a metaphor i enjoy sports by and large but as a metaphor by the time game day comes it's a bit of a shoe in on who's gonna win because it's the team that's put in the most blood sweat tears and practice beforehand the game's the manifestation of all the work you've been putting in behind the scenes and for mm-hmm. any struggles with porn it's the manifestation of the lack of work done behind the scenes in the heart of their life and so i kind of liken it to a check engine light porn is the check engine light and all the things that are you're really hiding from like under in the engine that we don't know how to deal with pandora's box emotion pain trauma rejection inadequacy I'm not good enough because I'll be the first person to say that's like, that's me. And I did not know how to work through any of that. So I just changed my behaviors emphatically and I got addicted into other things. And my big, my big deal of like saying my big controversial statement within the church, because I I, I love Jesus is I don't think it's actually good enough. Oh boy. Okay. We're getting into it. I actually think it's good enough to just quit the behavior of porn as a Christian man, to be honest, in my personal experience. And that you, unless you get to the root of the reasons why you ever went there to begin with and what role, function, and purpose it was serving you to avoid consistently and constantly, you're going to just find another addiction, whether it's a woman, whether it's your work, whether it's your ministry, whether it's some other external source to give you validation, acceptance, and approval, because that was my story. I've been free from porn for 10 years. I'm giving the bunny ears here to JJ. Free from porn for 10 years, but truly it's only been like six. Because the first four, 
I just avoided. And I found other ways of coping that looked more socially acceptable. And that's what I see most guys doing is they're trying to focus on quitting porn when the mm -hmm. antidote is actually to become an emotionally healthy, connected man. And when you have wholeness, porn naturally disappears as you become that emotionally whole man. It's so good, man. It's so good. I love how you just ripped off the Band-Aid. And do you, what percentage of men, when you say that, are just completely caught off guard and shocked uh, what you just said? That's a good question. I think that it's m more men are aware than we give credit for. I think that there's this lie that's like pervasive. The men don't have emotions. Men don't have feelings. Men are super disassociated and disconnected, which I mean is, is true. Like that's all of our stories to varying degrees that we're working on. But I couldn't give it a number, but I'm, I'm still never shocked when a guy's like, I just never knew. I'm like, I know you didn't know. I didn't know either. But how uh -huh. liberating is it to know that there's something we can do about it? Because if I say porn's the problem, let's just say, let's give that the theory. Porn is the issue. We will do whatever it takes to cover up that problem. We'll use porn blockers, accountability software. We'll go to church. We'll keep busy. We'll do whatever we can to be in avoidance of the issue. But in any addiction work I've done, ignorance is always its best friend. So the nature of addiction is ignorance. So the whole purpose of guys going to porn is because they don't know truly why they're going to it. Because if right. they knew why they were going to porn, or if I really knew why as a teenager, late teenager, I was going to porn, I would have actually had more power. Because Hosea 4.6 says, men destroy themselves for a lack of understanding. So what we don't know is currently killing us and that's what I would see is by and large is it's an addiction of ignorance and not knowing, but the truth will set you free. So that's why I, like we said, just rip off the bandaid. Cause I'm like, dude, let's just call it what it is. These are bullet wounds. We need to just see it and get super like transparent and honest about that because I have yeah. a lot of I was hiding and running from. Well, and, and that's all of us, right. And all of our stories. And I think, you know, one thing that we've really learned is it's not that, you know, teaching purity culture, teaching, you know, you, we need victory. Pornography is, we're so ill-equipped to deal with the failure, right, of that guilt and shame. And of course, as men, I think we have a tendency to gravitate towards behavior modification, right? We have a problem. We want a logical, practical, one, two, three-step solution to address that issue. But when it comes to porn, you're saying, and what I love, one thing that you always talk about is if it's nine o'clock at night, and you haven't done the work and you walk me through this because I think as someone, I was addicted to pornography for about 10 years, I think 14 to 24, 25 bouts of victory, bouts of defeat. But my biggest thing was like at, at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, the loneliness sets in, the sadness, the boredom sets in. And I'm like, I try to pray half-heartedly and I just fail and then I feel like I'm worse. What would you say to the the guy listening to this, walking through, and it's just like, is he not effective enough in his prayer at 10 o'clock at night? Is Does he not uh, have enough Holy Spirit in him at 10 o'clock at night to win that little... Definitely uh, not enough Holy Spirit. Somebody just leaked right out, you know, like... No, yeah, this is where I have a lot of compassion for guys because, and I'm saying that for me, myself, I have sons, I have boys... And when I see a man who comes to me and says, Matt, it's 10 p.m. I need to go to porn. What do I what do I do? And I say, Matt, have you not loved yourself at all today? How has your self-talk been? Have you how has giving yourself compassion been lately? 
Because when I find somebody at 9, 10 p.m. who's got an urge to go to porn to try to meet their needs in a toxic, destructive, unhealthy way, all I end up seeing, because in my own life, when the urge is there too, because by the way, just because I've been free from porn with zero relapse in, in a decade does not mean that the urges have never come. But all that highlights to me anytime I experience them, which is weekly, all the time. And I'm a married man. My wife listening to this podcast knows. It's not something I hide from her. Is what's the real need? And I recognize that when I'm mean to me, see, no one goes to porn because they don't love God enough, because they're not praying enough, because they're not reading their Bible enough. See, we go to porn because we don't love ourselves enough. We just don't. And porn is usually an act of self-hatred where you're disconnecting from you to not want to be with you because you think that you're not enough as you are. You can't be okay as you are. And so two things. One is, man, what would it look like to bring compassion in, to bring kindness, to bring empathy, to say, hey, man, you've been hurting today, haven't you? You've been talking rudely to you. You've been tearing yourself down with all these scripts, these narratives, these conditionings. The second thing I would go at in talking about the preemptive work is like, quote unquote, if you're not ready for game day and it's 9 p.m., it's like, did you practice? Like, what work have you been putting in? Have you been connecting to your heart? Have you been have you been becoming like connected, aware of what you're needing? Have you done anything for yourself to take care of you in your connection with God, with yourself, with other people, so that you're going to bed feeling connected, seen, significant, yeah. stood, like any of those things? And if not, of course we're going to want to go to porn because it, it's a subtle promise of the connection we've never gotten throughout the day. It's so. And I like, I go to Jesus in the desert, right? And we always think about that as like our analogy for the temptation of porn, right? And we're starving sexually and, you know, the enemy offers us the delicious bread or, you know, and to <laughs> satisfy. But that decision and that war against temptation was one before he even stepped out into the desert, is what totally. you're saying. Because he had intimacy with God and I mean, my quick question for you is, what is the connection between intimacy and the desire to look at porn, right? Do I have like intimate fellowship with God, with other men, with friendships? And mm -hmm. how does that connect to maybe a lack of intimacy and an addiction to porn? For sure. So, I mean, the way I look at it, I kind of use the words connection to God and connection to myself synonymously. People are like, differentiate between you know the voice of god whether it's him or you is it is it god speaking or is it me speaking i tend to just say yes <laughs> the answer is yes because you are in him he's in you it's a symbiotic relationship like the two become one and i do see that connection you said a moment ago jesus in the desert like oh i got these sexual needs or sexual urges and the difference is is porn is not sexual there is nothing actually sexual in nature about what you're looking for with sex or porn I, I can tell you 10 times out of 10, and you're a married guy, so you get it now, having sex yourself, that sex is not about sex. It's about an emotional and spiritual connection with your spouse, which is why people in hookup culture, you can have sex and still feel so empty because you yeah. weren't chasing sex. You were chasing the feeling of belonging, of connection, of intimacy, which is into me you see, mm -hmm. you might get. And so in our walk with God, yeah, of course, like if you kind of run through your own like little litmus test for yourself, the times that you're closest to God, you're never, ever thinking of porn. That When life is really amazing and great, you're not like, oh, let's go watch porn today. Like nobody thinks like that. It's right. when 
feeling disconnected, disassociated. You're feeling triggered. You're feeling rejected. Your girlfriend like broke up with you. The girl you asked out said no. And I was just walking through a client with that last week. He's been porn free for several months in my program and my coaching we do. And then he said, Matt, but I've been masturbating, not going to porn. I've been masturbating for the past three weeks straight. And I said, what happened three weeks ago? And he's like, oh my gosh, I, I asked out a girl that I was seeing to make it more official. She said no. And that devastated me. And I said, see, masturbation lust isn't the problem. I said, you got pain and wounds of rejection that have been layered. You worked through some of them, but now here's another opportunity for you to see God in your pain. And so yeah. what would it like to bring a lot of love? I said, how have you been treating you? He's like, terrible. I have been so mean to me. And I was like, yeah. See, you don't beat yourself up after you watch porn. It's because you're already beating yourself up that you go to porn. And by the time the self-hatred and all that stuff sits in, you're feeling the weight of that. So I completely make the connection of disconnection and pain as the, the reason why the vehicle that we use to kind of not deal with, it's to numb, to not feel. See, no one goes to porn because they want pleasure. They just want to feel less bad. Right. So we need to kind of try to numb that out, cut it out, and not deal with what's going on beneath the hood of our lives. And I love it. It's like a full circle moment coming right back. If you're dealing, so you're, if you're dealing with porn and masturbation, whether it's once a week, once a month, or it's you're in the full blowing hours a day, every single day, it's all a check engine light to a huge emotional intimacy gap in your life that you're just trying to fill. A hundred percent. And if I could be even a bit more like, well, Christian edgy with you, a lot of guys would be like, okay, so I just need to work on my relationship with God. And this is where I actually say no. This is not the time if you're an, as an addict and you're an addiction to pornography is not the time where you want to flex building your walk with God in the secret place solo. Because, Amen. and here's why I say that is because Adam was in the garden alone with the father and God did not say creation was good until Eve was there. So there's a context of community, of others, for belonging, for being seen and known that's actually woven into like the heart of the father that he did not want us to know him apart from true fellowship because God's not lonely up in heaven, right? right. Like, he didn't make us because he was bored. And so what I actually say to people is, yes, that has its place. But I think the true healing, because you had so much pain happen through connection or disconnection, like from mom, dad, people, you didn't get the message that you were good enough as you were. And all that pain happened in relationship. The only way it can get healed is through the safety and the container of actual legitimate relationships. So I don't push people to be like, go away and struggle, like go away and pray to God alone in your bedroom, because that's isolation. And that's yes. why there's sleep to begin with. It's so good, man. It's so great. And, you know, I heard Tim Ross the other day. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah, He was him. talking about, yeah, he was saying, you know, biblically speaking, when we go to God, that's for repentance, right? That's for the covering and the confession. But to seek healing, we have to speak it out loud amongst fellowship with other believers, other brothers, other men in fellowship with horizontally with other human beings. That's where we actually get to experience the healing of the world totally so and in so many guys like because we say like oh okay we struggle with our feelings we struggle with our emotions or oh guys don't open up we we isolate man like more than ever not just because of like covid and what's gone on in the past few years only i think that revealed and exposed all the issues that have been kind of bottled up within our culture 
and humanity, but we are more isolated and lonely than ever. We live like islands. We push people away. We shut down. We withdraw. We feel like it's acceptable to keep people at an arm's length distance while somehow believing that like we're going to get all that connection we long for. And I'm sorry, you're just not going to get it by shoving and pushing people away from your pain. And I'm saying this to younger Matt, like Matt, yeah. a young, like little Matt, you're not going to get the intimacy, the intimacy you see, like the belonging that you want while pushing people away. It's a great way to protect yourself and keep yourself safe. But the truth is those harmful experiences aren't happening anymore. And it may be time, little Matt, that you find a different way to heal and move forward. And so for a lot of guys out there, they have no idea. I had no idea on what kind of healing and transformation can take place in the context of like a safe container of trustworthy human beings that are yeah. not there to judge you or shame you, but just hold space for you. And, and that's tough for a lot of people to find. It is, you know, and, and my story is so similar. I had a very similar environment in my family home and my father, if I confess that, dude, I would be burnt toast and just shamed away out of the house. I had no choice, I felt like, but to internalize and suppress because someone's, and that was the pattern I built in teenage years that just stuck. It makes so a lot of sense. Makes yeah. a lot of sense because the scripture says, train and teach a child in the way he should go. And in his later years, he won't depart from it. Now, that's not just talking about righteousness. If that's also our context with pain. So if you learn to just kind of numb away avoidance patterns, right? You learn to vacillate, get really big and angry at a young age because that was just the role you played in your family home. Dude, you're going to keep that up faithfully as you get older because yeah. it's what you were primed for. Yeah. It takes such a degree and ferocity and tenacity to say this has got to change. And I'm sure what you see is like, it probably doesn't become a quote unquote external problem with another person that you have to change until you get married. So I love that we got single dudes on this podcast because one of our biggest messages is don't wait. Don't wait for it to become an external issue with a spouse, a girlfriend, for you to start tackling it, right? There's like way too much at stake here. Now, I have a great question for you because I know we only have 10 minutes left. Uh, if you somehow had every men's group or an addiction coach program, church group, in the, you know, in the world right now listening and they're like, hey, Matt, like, that would be nice. <laughs> no. And they said, hey, how are we messing up our approach or a more constructive way to say, and how can we amend our approach right now? What would you say? Cool, man. Jesus already took the wheel and stole the show and said it better than I ever could. So I'll just kind of paraphrase from Jesus. He's, you know, and is one of his classic encounters with the Pharisees. He's getting upset with them because they're still not getting it. Like if anyone who should have got it, they were the ones to get it. And mm -hmm. he basically reprimands them for saying, hey, you guys look good on the outside. You guys look great. You look hot. You look sexy. You know, you got the outside of the cup clean but the inside isn't. But what I'm thinking and proposing is that if we cleaned the inside, the internal like dirt and water and grime would spew out out of the outer edges. And then after a little bit of time of the water running, the outside of the cup will be clean. So what does that mean? And how am I translating that to men's groups, purity groups, any other one in this line of work is that if we just focused not on the behavior, not on what your streak has been, not on how many days it's been, but you actually focus on like the innards of like a man's heart that we all want to run from. And you, I were to say to you like, JJ, like 
if I were to ask you to say like, JJ, how is your heart doing? You ask that to another guy, they're like, hold on, what do you mean? And they'll start telling you what your, what your day's like logically. And I'm like, no, no, no. How's your heart? And if I said, Jay, tell me, what are the three emotions you're experiencing right now? Right now in your body, close your eyes, tell me. We would start getting into the thick of like, whoa, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling that way. And so my, my biggest heart for like, for men, for any purity group, because whether it's with me or somebody else, I don't, I don't really give a rip. I just want people into wholeness would be like, let's focus on that, on the heart with a lot of compassion, so much kindness. Because unless you're able to see somebody with a lot of compassion in their mess, you have no authority to help them. And that's why the the Pharisees got it all wrong is because they stepped into the judgment and ruler role without any love. But the reason why Jesus had the ability to judge so accurately is because he was filled with love. Even to the rich young ruler, we love to like harp on Christians about finance or money and be like, you know, you can't be rich because... But the only reason why Jesus had the authority to say that to the rich young ruler, sell all you have, is because of his abundance of love for that man. So he only spoke from love. And so when we're talking to these guys, it's like, okay, what's really going on? I want to sit with you. I'm not here to fix you. Because any wanting to fix a problem is because of his own control issues with fear. And I know that because of mine and all the men I've worked with, that anytime I want to fix someone, my wife, my kids, their behavior, it's due to my inability to love them in their process because I wouldn't know how to love myself in that type of process. Yeah, and it's, so, it's, it's so good. And, and when you talk about that love in yourselves, it, it, it really is just understanding more and more of God's compassion and kindness towards you, you know, and that's a kindness. And I love how you lead. I love how you lead because it's a compassion that you and I never manufacture on our own. It's a it's a love that we could never, ever begin to naturally produce on our own. It's just a passing on. I hear what you say in my heart and I'm like, I got chills. I'm about to start crying as you say it because I think we all to an extent experienced that men's ministry, that rugged, masculine, macho men's ministry that you need to get over this addiction is killing you. Like, in the name of Jesus, we break these chains. Yeah, I cast you out. Let's bind up devils. And I don't, I personally don't see anywhere in the heart of scripture that porn, like lust, like in the inner of our hearts is something to be delivered from. I think it's something to be developed out of. And I, that might be semantics at this point, because I think partly scripturally speaking, there was a stronger language and understanding of what it meant to be delivered. But to be delivered was like sozo, like saved, healed, delivered, set free. That's what salvation actually meant. And so unless like salvation isn't praying a prayer to get to heaven, like most Christians live like hell on their way to heaven. Right. And I actually want to see, and I think I know you do too. And so many people want to see like heaven come into people's hearts on the here and now, but it's, I don't, it's not something to cast out. Because you don't cast out pain. You, you love, pain is only present because of the absence of love. So when you actually love somebody well enough, the pain will push its way out. It'll disappear like a cloud. It's trying to go by. It doesn't want to stay, but it only remains in, in the absence of love. So if you get love present, empathy present, everything can become peace and more. Yeah, I love it. Your whole approach is just so striking because it's the opposite of authoritative you know, breaking of and dictative and it's filled with compassion. 
Go with curiosity. When's the last time you heard another dude ask another dude, hey, how's your heart, man? Like genuinely tell me I about would, the emotions. I would love theory. I would love for people to ask me that more because as I'm going through things, I mean, I'm like an entrepreneur, like I love to do things and take on new tasks and roles. I feel like it's a, it'd be an honor if we could have a culture shift or even like, you know, my own culture, the people I work with are you guys to be able to just be like, yeah, how is your heart? Even asking yeah. yourself that, building that culture of safety within you, where if you ask yourself, how's your heart? Like a couple days, a couple times a day, I do that with my clients. When they get into any work with us, I always get them to set an alarm where three times a day, it's like, how is your heart? What emotions are you experiencing? Because it's when we push those emotions down that we want to turn to things like porn. But if we just got and express those things throughout the day on our own with a journal to God, a friend, a leader, then you will have no need to try to, you know, numb out and feel so yeah. good. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I love probably one of my favorite teachings of yours and what your foundation is. That battle with porn is not one at nine o'clock at night with the Hail Mary prayer <laughs> and always turn and say, I'm here. It's yeah. more that 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m., when you're checking in with your heart and your emotional needs and your intimacy with other humans and God Literally. himself, right? So, And the biggest so, way, if you want to end that battle, I'll just say it and we can, I know we're wrapping up here, is if you're struggling with porn addiction, you're struggling with lust, my biggest question I'd have to you is, why do you really go there? Mm -hmm. See, so many guys want to figure out how do I quit, but that doesn't matter until you ask, why do I even go to it in the first place? And once you figure out why you even go to it in the first place, it'll take you automatically to the how. Man, that's a mic drop. That's a mic drop moment. Hey, Matt, where can people find you? What's the best way to get in contact? Because I know you got coaching. I know you got an awesome program. What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, just fly to Maui and let's know. I'm just kidding. That'd be so fun. You can find me on Instagram, Matt Droget on Instagram. And then you could also go to a completely free workshop that I created at mattdrogetconsulting.com. So mattdrogetconsulting.com. And then there's a completely free training workshop that I made that's going to help give you so much value and insight into this even more. And if you want to get connected with me personally and seeing if or how we might be able to like encourage you or inspire you on that journey, that would be the best place to start. I love it. Well, I definitely see a lot of coaches out there now. Honestly, I would just preach nothing but caution before giving someone your time and investment. Matt, absolutely. Just someone we endorse and really appreciate. We love what you do. You're just as genuine off this call as you are on this call. So we just can't speak enough about you, Matt. And I'm looking at your Instagram now. It's got everything you need. So that's Matt Droget, D-R-O-G-U-E-T-T. Hit him up and thank you, brother. We're so grateful to have you. And hopefully, maybe this is the first of a couple more to come. So, yeah, dude, thank you so much. Absolute gift to spend some time with you and speak to your beautiful audience here. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you later. Thank you, fellas. Bye bye.